Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Last week, we, I started a, a series on uh, true riches, and I shared an amazing testimony last week from somebody, someone in this church, and their journey towards giving $45,000 it was, and um, that's actually gone up on our Thrive Church uh, testimonies page on, online, so if you haven't heard that story or you want to listen to the message from last week, I just really encourage you, because these message will build, messages will build over the next uh, week or so, or two weeks, and um, yeah, so man, it's an amazing um, and incredible story as well. Um, so today, just going to be talking about uh, uh, finances again, and so my prayer is that you'll catch God's heart for this in your own world. This is, this is I'm delivering a message today as a father because I don't want anyone to miss out on his blessings. This is not an arm twist or anything like that, but this is us going, hey God, let's include you in on the picture of our lives in, the, in every area and see his kingdom uh, come in, in all of our lives. So who knows though that we live in the age of of the filter. Uh, is anyone on Instagram? Anyone's got Instagram? And you can take uh, just uh, an ordinary photograph, and it might be just, you know, something boring like my own face, and then I just chuck it in to uh, Instagram, and I might hit, it's like LoFo, it might be one of them, or something else, but there's all these options of these different filters, and when you, and when you uh, take something ordinary, and you apply a filter uh, to that photo, the colors just can, you know, they can pop, and the photo goes to another level, and the contrast is enhanced, I think we've got a picture up there, and um, it's it's amazing. See, there's an ordinary ice cream here that when one shot it looks a bit dark and gloomy like it's overcast, and then in the next shot, suddenly the sun's out. The saturation has been taken up in the ocean, and the, the ice cream looks amazing because it's had a filter overlaid. It's had something special added to it to not take it away, not to get rid of it, but actually to enhance what is actually there. And, you know, we're constantly using filters in our life, aren't we? So you turn on the air con in your own home, and, and there's filters in there, and it's designed to take the impurities out of the air so that the air is sweet and good to breathe. And then the water filter, you, you turn on the tap, and you know that before that water, you got to drink that water. That water went through the town supply, and it got treated and filtered, and, and so it comes out your tap, the end result, that it is far better for you and cleaner and all that stuff than what it was before it went into the filter. So Filters, they, uh, they remove impurities and enhance the quality of, of whatever is passing through them. I love this quote up here. This is a filterless quote. I apologize for my rudeness, but your complete lack of intelligence has compromised what I'm about to say to you. <laughs> I'm hoping today that, that you're thinking there's something wrong with that <laughs> because you have a filter. And, you know, without the honor filter in our hearts, we would just react to whatever is projected to us in life. You know, we're just this react button. We're like ready to go off. But when we come in to the kingdom of God, suddenly we start receiving how He sees us and it changes how we see others. 
And so this filter begins to be overlaid in our hearts. And the honor filter places priority on guarding and upholding the Father's kingdom. He's the one who's chosen us to represent His kingdom of love into the world. And the honor filter projects the Father heart of God regardless of other people's complete lack of intelligence. (laughs) It protects His heart. It protects Him at all times. And so in the Bible, we saw the culture of honor being just like rolled out through so many stories and how Jesus moved through the world healing and, and forgiving and, and you know, uh, just constantly re- just releasing the culture of honor around His life. And He tells us a story, the story of the prodigal son. And you guys are probably familiar with this. But this is a story about how a boy moved away from a culture of honor and then came back to a culture of honor. And this young man, this prodigal son, he became completely lost as he moved away from an environment of honor. He got, he got lost from his home base. He, and in that way, he, he got lost in his own pursuit of self-discovery. And then along the way, he realized that he would never be the one who is called to be without his dad, without this environment that his dad had set back home. And But in leaving his home, he had actually betrayed and dishonored his father. He had lost a significant portion of his family's wealth. But, but the culture of honor saw him while he was a long way off. The father saw him. He was waiting to, to, to bless him. He was waiting to reach out. He was waiting for his son to come home. And, and the culture of honor hit the reset button when he returned home. And the filter of grace was applied and he was restored and he was reinstated as a son into the fullness of his family identity. Once again, his life was an enhan- he was enhanced again. You know, like the ice cream, he went from just like, what am I doing? I'm just dull and what? I'm, I've lost everything. And, the, and then the filter of grace was imposed over his life and suddenly he became alive again as he was connected in to the family's uh, identity and the family. Uh, you know, the heartbeat of the Father. And the Father has set such a rich tone of love with the, with the honor that He extends to us. He just, it's just such a rich tone that we receive when we receive the Father's love. And He invites us, He invites us to resonate with that same frequency uh, of love that His incredible kingdom carries. He's saying, hey, come, come and come and know honor, come and be honor, come and come and be like me. And so I just want to this morning just take open a, a couple of scriptures because this is a, a co-relationship between God and man. He called we're co-missioned in him. And he's not, he's, he doesn't just give us honor so we can just like treat it like a doormat and just walk in and walk out of it. He's saying, come and be a part of my environment. Come and display what honor looks like to the world. And so I just want to dive into uh, Leviticus 23, uh, verse 9 to 14. And, and uh, Leviticus, is, it's, a, it's a pretty exciting book of the Bible, really. It's all about the law. <laughs> but this, uh, this here is the concept that God is, was more than a concept. It's actually a law that God's giving the uh, Israelite people because He's saying, hey, I want you to get this. I want you to get the importance of placing me as the priority in your life. And it says this, So the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priests a 
sheaf of the first grain you harvest, the first thing you do, the first uh, part of, of, what, of, of your produce. And then on the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice uh, as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb, a year old, without defect. So this was a requirement uh, to honor God in the source, as the source, and as the provider of their income. It was a sacrificial offering so that they, they knew that, that, that they needed to place God first with what they had in their lives. And, and it's amazing because this event, this thing, is actually recorded on the calendar month of the Jewish calendar. And so it's the, it's the month of Nisan. And it, it sounds like a, an Asian car, but it, it is a month in the Jewish calendar. And, it's, and the Jewish calendar is all kind of like connected to the stars and the planets and the moon and it's all that. So it's a, it doesn't run parallel to our calendar. It's on a completely different kind of axis. And, and it's amazing, though, uh, how many other biblical events occurred on the 17th of Nisan. Okay, so on the 17th of Nisan, the day of the first fruits offering, Noah's ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. Israel, they came out of slavery and they crossed the Red Sea on the 17th of, uh, of Nisan. Uh, manna stopped flowing from heaven. This was like the food of the gods. God provided manna for them to eat in the, in the wilderness, the Bible says. And they uh, fed on the produce of Canaan on the 17th. Uh, in the story of Esther, Haman, who's the baddie in the story, he's the one who wants to wipe out the Jews at that time like Hitler. And, but he is hanged on that date on the very gallows that he built for Mordecai after Queen Esther secured the safety of the Jews uh, from King Xerxes. And then the, uh, the last one I want to bring is actually seven uh, events in total. But number five is that Jesus is resurrected on the 17th of Nisan. Isn't that amazing? The day of the first fruits offering. And so the odds of these events actually all happening coincidentally on the same day are one in, let me just read this, 100, uh, sorry, 783 quadrillion, 864 trillion, 876 billion. So that's quite impressive, wouldn't you say? That, that God's trying to say something that is significant and special about the first fruits, about giving God something first. And, and he, was, he, he uh, is the God of the first fruits. And we see here in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 21, but Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. See, first fruits in, in Hebrew is the word bukarim, and it literally means promise to come. It means promise to come. Do you know our God is a promise keeper? He is the most incredible promise keeper over his word, over his children, uh, over our lives. And, and the reasons, every reason why we should have been excluded from Christ's promises and his blessings has been filtered out through the cross. Come on, that is amazing. And our promised destiny is reinstated through Christ Jesus. You know, He's the gateway. He's the, uh, he's the most incredible filter uh, that you could ever have in your life. And, and then He says this in Matthew 6, 33. He says, hey, don't worry about what you eat, drink, or what you wear. These worries dominate. 
I love that word, dominate. They dominate. These worries dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Man, that's like, that's not you. Lucky for you, uh, you're not an unbeliever. And, but your Father knows all your needs. See the kingdom of God, uh, sorry, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. See, Christ has become the first fruit offering. We enter into uh, the kingdom through, uh, through that gateway, through that incredible filter. But he says, hey, I want you to start resonating at the same frequency and revealing my heart and my love. And I want to invite you into this connection through honoring me first, through giving me the first fruits. And, and I love this verse, though, because in verse 32, it says that he's the father who knows all of our needs. He knows your lack. He knows your plenty. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your job. He knows you inside and out. And He knows your needs because He doesn't want to just like leave you needy. But He has got a, an idea. He's got a plan that He wants to give you. He wants to be the guy who, who actually raises up your needs to, so that you aren't that person who lives in a, in a place of lack. And in verse 33, it says, hey, the way to do this is to seek me first, is to prioritize me first. Because as you prioritize me, people, I'm going to prioritize prioritize your needs. That's going to be our collaboration. That's going to be how this culture of honor rolls because you need to be able to give honor for me to reveal honor to this world. And so he calls us as coheres and as partners to be people who honor, who, who join with him in an honor culture. And it's not, and this is not because we're slaves, because it's because, um, we, we, we don't respond out of this out of obligation. We don't respond out of this just because the preacher said. We respond out of this individually in relationship with Him because we recognize who He is in our lives. This is how we respond. And if you're someone who's just responded out, out of obligation uh, and you've given out of compulsion and you've uh, just, you know, you've been stuck, then I want to just, I want to encourage you today to just let the past be the past, but it not, don't let it govern your reason to not step out in faith again, step out believing with Him, step out on the right reasons and in the right way. He is a God who knows all of our needs and He calls us though to give Him honour um, the wisdom of Solomon says this, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, that to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's amazing, eh? It's a cool promise. It's a great and it's exciting. Uh, and, and as I was uh, preparing this message, actually, especially yesterday, I just got really excited for our church engaging with the culture of honor at another level. Not just not just talking about it, but you know, as Jack was talking about this morning, as he was just ministering to us, that we would actually engage with what love looks like. And and this is you know to love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is one of those facets of the diamond on on how we show and express our, our love to Him by honoring Him with our wealth. And we see in the Scripture, though, that, that, that where we send the first portion of our wealth, of our first fruits, 
will determine the nature and the outcome of the rest of what we have. And I believe that as we send the first portion to him, he looks at the rest of what we have and says, you know, I can use that to build my kingdom through your life and take care of the needs that you have in your life. And, and I want to encourage you today to start being dependent on him and your finances and not just become isolated in your own opinions and own uh, way of doing things. Include him in. Include him in on the journey, and and this this isn't uh, this scripture is a it's a great scripture, but I also want to just uh, break open the fact today that it's not a formula for money, it's not a formula for success or self gratification. You know, like I said, he knows every detail of our lives, and he won't give us something that we're not ready for, something that would destroy us and or our relationship with him. He's only going to give us what we need, and and I always uh, like to think about you know if, if he offered me a million dollars in one hand or his kingdom in the other hand, that it would always be far more preferable to take the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, that's where true wealth is. That's where true riches is. And if he's calling you to be someone who stewards a million dollars, $50,000, $5,000, that's going to be unlocked to you through the kingdom, not through a lotto ticket or anything like that. You know, he's going to, he's the one who wants to release finances through your life by his terms, because he knows what you need and he knows what you can handle and what you can't handle. And I'm the same, all right? I'm preaching to myself this morning. And so any desire that we have for abundance has got to remain grounded with Christ and as the front and center of our call in life. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Pause. Most of us uh, know the story of the Israelites in the desert. And, uh, you know, after they waited for 40 years, uh, just eating, eating manna, going nowhere, people dying out, and they actually eventually crossed over into the promised land led by Joshua. And up to that point, they'd had free food, but the manna stopped. And they needed to find their own food supply. And, and then, they, and then the, all the men had a really painful snip as, as well after they crossed. And that wasn't very pleasant. And, uh, and then, they, then they had to focus and they worked hard to, uh, take, uh, to prepare to take the city of Jericho. And as you know, the this, this city, there was a supernatural conquest in this, but they marched around it for six days in the heat. And then, they, and then the, the walls came down, they went in and they fought their hearts out to take the city. And, and, and you know, the, the, I bet you that they're like sitting there, you know, hands on knees going, whoa, mate, what's my reward? What, you know, this is, this is a job well done. And we'd naturally think, you know, that after all that waiting, after all that fighting, that surely they were entitled to take what they'd fought for. And in Joshua 6, 18 and 19, though, it says this, and this was something that God wanted to, to do to just see that, that, that he was honored uh, in the first fruits. And it says this, that God said through Joshua, all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and the iron are consecrated to the Lord. They're set apart to the Lord. They are, that's his property. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. See, Jericho is uh, the first city in the promised land. 
It's the first city that they took in the promised land. It's the first thing they came to, and all of its contents were actually the first fruits given to the Lord. And today, I just want to bring three thoughts, three points on on how our lives can resonate with the culture of honor in what we have and in what we're going to get, and and, and to see His kingdom extended through us in our lives, uh, and, and that is a good thing. So the first thing that I want to just say here uh, that we need to do to resonate with the kingdom of honor is that we need to honor him for what he has provided for us. We need to acknowledge that his word says that he gives you, he gives you the ability to gain wealth in Deuteronomy 8.18. He is the provider. He is the source. He has given you the talents. He's given you the call. He's given you the connections. He's given you your home. He's everything that you have, every good thing in your life is from Him. He is the source of every good thing. There's no self-made man, no self-made woman. I don't, you know, like it all comes back. He's the one who put breath in our lungs, and he's, and we need to acknowledge that He is good, that all the stuff we have that we're going to get, that we own right now, it's actually Him. It's because of Him, and I want to encourage you today to devote it to Him. So back to the story, let's jump back in. And then uh, because Joshua had taken a city and God had said, hey, this is my property and everything that is precious is going to belong to him. But there's this dude called Achan uh, who's part of the scene there. And, and he looked at all that stuff and he was like, oh, just a little bit. I could just, you know, just sneak a little bit uh, here. And so Achan, uh, just, it says, the Bible says that he took what had been devoted to the Lord. And that was a bit of a no-no. And he buried this, uh, this plunder as treasure under his own tent. And so uh, this remained unbeknown to Joshua. So Joshua, he goes, uh, what's next on the hit list? And the city of Ai is in their range. And so it's like, okay, we're going to take 3,000 men and we're going to go up and we're going to take Ai. Uh, And and so they went off uh, to take Ai, but they came home with their tail between their legs. They've been defeated and destroyed and and, um, because they had uh, become limited. They become limited. They become limited uh, spiritually, and and I think that we can see here that the result of Achan taking what was sacred to the Lord was that the entire army became limited. They had no power, no authority to prevail in the warfare. The cool end of that story is that Achan was dealt with and they repented and they went back and they were able to take the city because, you know, the Father wants to reinstate us constantly. If we've fallen, stuffed up, you know, uh, broken down, we've been going well, and it's like, "Mm -mm." you know, we can just, Jesus is the first fruits. We can just say, hey, you know, I'm back in. I'm back in as a son. And so they were able to step back in and take what God had called uh, called them uh, to. Um, In the New Testament, we see uh, Jesus, he engaged with a rich young man who asked him what he should do to inherit eternal life. Because uh, that's a big question, isn't it? It's like, Flip, if, if we're going to live forever, what, what, do I, what do I need to do? And, and Jesus said this to him, he says, You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery or steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Then he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. I am a good boy. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. You know, you can just see that connection. I love you. I'm so so for you. I want to see success in your life. 
But he says, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. This young guy, he became disqualified from the power and the purposes of the Father's kingdom prevailing in his life because of what he owned. And if you really look at that, you can actually see that what he owned actually owned him. It actually owned his heart. It owned his dreams. It owned his vision for life. It was his biggest why that he was alive for. And Jesus could see that this young man could not embrace this new, his new destiny and his new authority and his new identity with, without relinquishing fully what currently owned his heart. There was a limitation on, on, on his sonship because he was still seeing himself as the ultimately a son of his wealth. Significant in the eyes of his wealth, significant because he had wealth. And Jesus said, you know, that's not, that's not where your significance and your strength and your destiny lies. It actually lies in my hands and it lies in, in the call that I have for you as a son. But if you can't stop yourself seeing yourself as a son of your success and as a son of your wealth, then I'm sorry. You can't even follow me because we're going different ways. He was lost and he walked off lost. And this young man, he had worn his wealth like a mask over his life that gave him, this mask gave him a sense of entitlement and, and, and maybe he expected victory in his life. And, but it just wasn't going to happen with Christ Jesus because Jesus didn't own his life. So Joshua's army, they went up to Ai, right, with a sense of victory, with a sense of entitlement, and an expectation that they were going to like brush these guys apart. They just defeated a city that was much bigger, but they lost their authority and they lost their victory because Achan did not give to God what he believed he was entitled to for himself. It's interesting, eh? Because AI actually means in Hebrew uh, to bend or twist to a point of destruction. And a distorted perspective of entitlement regarding our wealth will eventually break the victorious life that Christ, Christ invites us to be a part of. He, we, we need to just surrender fully our stuff, our life to Christ to live in the fullness of the victory that he has for us. He isn't looking, you know, in Revelation, it talks about lukewarm, doesn't it? He's like, man, it doesn't taste so good to him when we're like, you know, I've got, I've give you lip service, God, but can't, don't, don't, don't even look, don't look at that. That's, that's mine. And he's saying, it's ours. Let's do this 
together. So the second point in developing an honor culture with our wealth and resonating with that culture of honor is that we need to relinquish the ownership of our stuff to him. He's the one who holds our bookerum, our promises to come. He's the greatest promise keeper in our lives. And as we relinquish our entitlement and we honor him with our first fruits, he's guarding the promises to come over our lives. And his promises for you uh, far exceed our own ability to create true riches, true wealth, true uh, authority and identity in our own lives. Giving the first portion to God is a way to give God full honor with our heart. This is my final point, and I want to just close with this this morning, and it's Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And the, uh, the principle that's loaded in these verses is, a, is an amazing principle because it's a principle that God's saying, hey, I want to trust you. I want to trust you now. I want to trust you today. I want to, what you have now is important because I want to entrust to you something far greater. I want to take you from glory to glory, you know. I want to, I want to entrust you. But if you can't be trustworthy with what you have now, then I can't have you. I can't have me <laughs> distort my kingdom, my kingdom of honor. So my third point is expect His greatness to continue to flow through whatever He has entrusted to you today. Let's stand and pray together this morning. And I know that that's a, it's a big word just to put out there to everyone, uh, but we've got a big God and He wants to do big things with our stuff. And I don't want to see anyone hindered because we couldn't disconnect our heart from our stuff. He is, I don't want anyone to miss out. Let's put our hands on our heart this morning. Father, we receive your filter of grace. We thank you that you have deleted the broken fragments of our humanity and removed our limitations and given us glorious favor with you. And today we want to honor you with every good gift that we have, that everything comes from you, Lord, that we have. And today we surrender to you our possessions, our sense of entitlement for all that we own and desire to own. And we give this to you and we say that it's yours. We relinquish the masks of our wealth our false identity, our false security, our false authority, and we break the soul ties uh, that we may have had with our stuff or the stuff that others own, that we want to own for ourselves, Lord. We just break that stuff. We break those ties off today in Jesus' name. And we say that we are owned by Christ Jesus, that He is the King and the Lord and the Saviour of our lives. And that stuff that's around us, Lord, we give You thanks that we get to steward that with You, Lord.
We thank you that you're the greatest promise keeper, security provider and government over our lives. And we give you thank that your word says that as we honour you with our wealth and with our first fruits, our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will be bursting with wine, Lord. And today, God, I just pray for wisdom over every person here, Lord. Lord, that your heart, that your mind, Lord, would be over our mind. You would be, we, we take a hold of that for which you've taken a hold of us in faith, Lord, in regards to our finances. And we just say, yes, Lord, give us faith. Give us greater faith to hear your voice and to respond in this hour to our call. And they all said, Amen. Awesome. Hey, you guys have been amazing to preach to this morning. And I'm really excited for, for this series being like a trigger that releases more of His kingdom. And we catch His heart and we surf the wave of His glory and His goodness in our lives. We're going to finish with a song, and I just want to invite anyone today who feels like they're cornered with lack to come up the front, and we just want to pray a blessing and a breakthrough over your life today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I also want to invite you up the front today to receive Him as an incredible Lord and Savior. Let's praise Him. Thanks, guys.